Am I making any sense? Today, right, I am very excited to have with me my buddy, my friend. You can catch him performing stand-up comedy throughout the South Bay Weekly Mics. My friend, Chris Williams. What's up, Chris? It's good to have you on the podcast, my friend. Good, man. How you doing, man? Old school, man. Just talking Yeah, let's through. do it. That sounds good. No video. Yeah, we'll, we'll see this. Let's see so if I, I have a radio voice. <laughs> there you go. Actually, you do have a radio voice, Chris. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's probably because the face is ugly, so I go with the voice. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't no, mean no, that. it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, but, yeah, uh, what I was saying, I think before we got caught off, cut off is I uh, – I don't mind this. I mean, it is, so we both have kids and this has been interesting from the kid aspect because um, it's a lot of work keeping them on track, right? And I mean, you have yeah. different challenges, obviously, um, than, than I have with my daughters, but it's, it's very difficult. And, you know, I technically, I mean, I'm still, I have a job. So I'm, like I would say from 8 a.m. until 1, I'm doing Zoom meetings at work. I'm trying to do stuff through emails. So I'm trying to work, but you're kind of bouncing from kid to kid to make sure that they stay on track with their schoolwork. So oh, absolutely. it's, um, you know, as far as just staying in the house, I, you know, I, it hasn't bothered me too much. How about you? I, is it driving you crazy? Are you ready to get out? Uh, it, it is a little bit, nothing too dramatic, you know, cause I'm already a homebody because of my son. We don't really, we go, yeah. we all can do stuff, but nothing dramatic. Him, right. he's losing it. He can't handle it anymore. He's uh, just like, well, his his thing is, is he loves going to school. You know? School uh, is a uh, an amazing feature for him because it's just an experience. He gets to hang out with friends and do things with kids that are similar with him. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't say my challenges are much different from every other parent because I'm pretty sure every kid is saying to themselves, I just want to go back to school, which is uh, new for any generation. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think the hardest part about this as being a parent and with the things that we're dealing with is that most parents have some sort of an example to deal with, to give to their kids. With this, yeah. it's a totally new environment. We have to like basically tell our kids, we're learning with you. Yeah. And that's scary as shit for them because – they're like, well, you're supposed to have all the answers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I'm realizing, you know, I'm, I'm not a very good teacher. <laughs> so it's kind of like if yeah. my kids push back, if they push back hard enough, long enough, I kind of just go, nah, okay, fine. But if they were at school, that wouldn't fly, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, that's what I was going to say the same thing. Like, you know, there's uh, something I learned about myself. Not only am I a father, a comedian. I'm a bad teacher too. <laughs> Actually, that joke that joke just writes itself right there. Yeah, this, yeah it does. This shelter in place taught you three things. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Seriously, yeah. man. It, it it's amazing though. It, like I, I I can definitely see what it's doing to people that can't go out. Like in people say, oh, now I don't have much to do. Like, honestly, since this has happened, I've been more busy yeah. than I've ever been. Like, I'm the only person that's allowed to leave the house. I do. Okay. 
I do everything for everybody. Yeah. So I just try to help out as much as I can. I'm sure everybody's doing the same. Well, uh, no, that is true. I, it feels, so here's the feeling I get. It feels busier than my normal life, but it's a busy that I like, if that makes sense. Because I didn't like sitting in traffic to go to work. And I didn't like being in the office, bouncing from meeting to meeting, Zoom, Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. But being at home, bouncing from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting, like I, I don't mind it. And I like, I like being with the kids and around the kids. So I'm busy, but at the same token, I feel, I feel it's a really, it's a good busy to where at the end of every day, I feel like maybe not accomplished, but I do feel like, um, I, I don't know, it was a good day. Now, again, I feel guilty saying that because I know there are so many people who, you know, either have gotten the, gotten the uh, COVID or people who've lost their jobs and are stressing over money. So I, I think I'm one of these people who just kind of, for whatever reason, I lucked out with the circumstances. And, um, you know, other than now I'm a stay at home teacher or a, what's that called? homeschooling teacher. Um, I'm not struggling that bad with anything, but Here's where we got to get into it. Here's where me and you got to talk about it. All right. How do you feel about stand-up comedy? Because I literally had a, an epiphany last Sunday. I just woke up and it hit me so hard, Chris. I said, I don't even know what it is to do stand-up comedy anymore. I've totally forgotten. I'm you still know? getting cravings, man. Like I, oh, I yeah. think about jokes every day. I, yes. I, it's something I'll definitely say this is going to sound a little bit too into it, but the doing comedy almost felt more less of a, like a selfish thing for me mm -hmm. and more of that. I got to lighten somebody else's day. Yeah. Like somebody's going to go home. And even though it may have been that one person that I got to laugh in the room, but they get to go home and think to themselves, <laughs> that was hilarious. What that guy said, if they were having a horrible day, so like just that aspect of it, like even though it may not have happened, but if it did, it made me feel a little bit better about everything else that was going on. But like the aspects of comedy, it almost feels like you almost worry that it's going to dwindle because of this. Well, that's what I've been talking. Everyone who joins the podcast with me, I've been talking about this. So from my feeling to your point about jokes, that's another thing. Like I feel I'm not today. I didn't write um, this weekend. I probably only sat down to write once, but I feel like I've got a lot of jokes. I don't know if they're good jokes, but just thinking about funny shit I've been doing. So I consider that I'm doing my job as a stand-up comic, but not being able to deliver those jokes for now a month. And it'll be now it'll be two months because the mayor are not the mayor, the uh, governor extended shelter in place till the end of May now. Yeah. So that's another basically six weeks, uh, five weeks. And then, you know, at the end of that five weeks, they aren't going to say, okay, now bars are open too. Right? Yeah. Like bars will probably be one of the last things. So I think that's where we're going to have to get creative as comedians, because I think dive bars may not be our first choice to go back to performing standup. Like it literally might be, um, you know, park benches with tape, showing where people can stand six feet apart, you know, yeah. or, or it could be um, in a restaurant that's at half or a quarter capacity um, yeah. and it'll have to be clean. Comp so I think when shelter in place is lifted, it's still not going to go back to the way it was 
in, um, what was it, March. It won't go back to how it was in the first couple weeks of March. I think it's going to be a little warped, maybe. This is me speculating. I have no clue. It might be a little bit different. Obviously, we aren't going to be able to do, vent like, for instance, for Scotty. I know for Scotty isn't on the map anymore, but good luck with a venue like that where it's just packed in and you're, you're, you're having to rub elbows with everyone just to get to the back, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, we're not going to have venues like that for probably, I don't know, six to nine months, I would guess. I don't know. Well, that one thing that will do for us, though, as comedians that have been doing it for who knows how long, like me, I, I did it for about eight months. So that's where I got, well, actually nine months, almost a year. And, you know, what it's really going to do for us, it's going to thin the herd. You know, Maybe it's going to... It could it, go the other way. Well, there's not going to be a going to be a lot of people wanting to perform for five people in a group, you know, like us that have done one room person in a room, you know, like that, like those type of people aren't going to strive as hard. I, at least I see that that way because not everybody's the same. I no, I think you're right. I think there might have been a lot of people who were doing it, and now they're checking their motivation and they're saying, yeah. "How was I doing that?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's good. You think about. It the constant beatings that we honestly take we they may not be they may not be visual beatings but they're internal like we they, people say oh when someone laugh doesn't laugh at your joke that must feel horrible no it's when i go home and i start telling myself how that person didn't laugh at my joke for five days straight <laughs> and then for some fucking reason i go back there to make one person laugh again yeah <laughs> So it's like people like that, like that really go out there and give it a shot. There's cause I remember there, I met people that only went to Frescati. I'm like, that was me in the beginning. And I mm. realized that at some point I have to expand. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I was telling myself that, um, in March, I was saying, this is the month I got to start going to the East Bay and hitting up mics in the East Bay. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty much a South Bay and a Santa Cruz guy since I started. And uh, everybody I to, what's they, say this, they say this is the best here. Or well, as a lot of people tell me, they always oh, better in the South Bay. Well, I think, you know what we got in the South Bay? I think we're real cool with each other. You know, like when you see, for instance, me and you, I think the first time I met you, we hit it off pretty much day one. And um, I think that might be rare where once you meet someone, you're just like, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. You know, I think yeah. um, I was talking with uh, Jose Contreras last week on the podcast and we were talking about the crab mentality, you know, where um, some people, let's say you have a particular hobby. I won't, I think it happens in comedy a lot. Like I said, South Bay, I don't think we feel it because there's a real strong uh, camaraderie with all of us. Mm -hmm. But there's this crab mentality where in some areas probably and in sub hobbies where people think, well, there can only be so many people doing well at any given time. And those people root actively root against you. And there's no one really, you know, I think there's very few people rooting against each other in our little community of South Bay comics. I think everyone, you know, Obviously, some of we have our personalities. Some people aren't going to get along with each other, but I don't think anyone's actively like fuck that guy or fuck that girl or whatever. You know, I think everyone's pretty 
cool. And so probably people pick up on that vibe and then say, oh yeah, South Bay's good. But I know East Bay has a lot of rooms and I don't know if the rooms are more packed than um, South Bay or not. I know obviously San Francisco has a lot of rooms, um, but you know, San Francisco, the reason I haven't done anything in San Francisco is man, they start early. Oh yeah, they do. Like signups at six, six thirty, seven. I'm like, what? Who can do that? Yeah, you'd have oh, to leave yeah. here at four. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> you'd have to leave here at four. So that was like, like my mentality um, in the first year and a half, where I was just like, you know what? Just focus on what's easy and what's around you, and make sure you can sustain going to open mics that are five minutes from your house, and then yeah. you really enjoy the uh, craft. Then you can spend forty five minutes to get to a mic. Um, but then all the shit hit the fan. And of course, now we don't do it anywhere. So. Yeah, exactly. But like, the, I, I feel like what my expansion towards there was going to be when I felt more ready to be yeah. around a different crowd. Because like, I, it, I, this is something I always say, but my type of comedy is kind of a, a tough pick. Like, a room full of white people aren't going to want to hear me talk the way I do. They, they, they're like, they ask a lot of questions. Like I always get it when I'm done. Like they go, you're really funny, but why do you talk like that? You know? Oh, <laughs> but, right. You know? So I, I knew like if I went to the East Bay, no problem. People yeah. are going to relate to me really well. If I went to San Francisco in a specific area, for one, they're going to be kind of edgy. They're going to be like, okay, hold on. Who do you think you are? Like they're, like that yeah. kid that was at uh the kid with what the hell is that mic? The 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 radio show mic. You know what I'm talking about? I can't uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now. Mutiny Mutiny Radio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, there was one kid. He didn't even sound like me, and he was like, "Well, you think you're black?" And a dude punched him in the face. So I was like, "Oh, guaranteed, someone's gonna come at me then." <laughs> I was like, oh, I you're him. talking about the guy who got cold cock at Mutant Radio. Yes. I didn't realize that was racially motivated. I, I never watched the video. You hear the guy say to him, he says to him, he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I know who you are. And, he's, and then it's, you can hear something and it sounds like he says, well, you think you're black? Boom. And it just bing right in his face. I was like, oh, I'm guaranteed that's coming my way. <laughs> so I was more prepared for it than anything. But, you know, that's not my main reason of why not to go there yet. It's just one of them. My other one is my son. I got to stay a little bit close. Yes. Because if something happens, I got to be here quickly. Yes. <laughs> I can't be, I'll be there in a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, I, and that's my priority too. I think all of us who are parents who are on the South Bay scene, probably that's another reason why we just stick close and uh, make the best of the mics we have because there's a number of us who it's like comedy is our little tribe and, you know, people – probably don't like it when I say the word hobby, but it's our hobby. And it's it is. the first priority is taking care of the kids in the, in the home and whatever comes with that. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's another thing I have to remind myself of when I get eager and I'm like, I got to start doing San Francisco mics. I got to start doing these big mics. And he's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were, you're a 44 year old dude who works in tech support. You have two but you kids. Still should. You still should put yeah. yourself a little more and more. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's if it's not over the top, right? Yeah, absolutely. When you know it's that you're extending yourself too far, yeah. that's when you're like, all right, I gotta take a break. <laughs>
<laughs> totally, totally. So talk to me about when you first did a mic. Cause I probably, oh. I must've met you when you were already a few months in. Cause yeah, I think I was... we met it off the hook. Cause I'm, I think I was, you know, for Scotty, I don't get to a lot because again, a sign up, it's uh, hard for me to uh, get a spot there given that I really don't leave the house until at least nine. Um, but so how long, when did you first do it and how long were you doing it? Uh, weirdly enough, it's a crazy story. I, uh, was thinking about something I needed to do for myself because when you have a child with autism, you get so lost in taking care of your kid yeah. that you honestly forget about yourself. You get so like dedicated to one thing that I, I got this idea of like, people are like, you talk like a comedian, you tell stories, you do comparisons all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I should try it one day. And I loved, I've loved stand-up comedy since I was a kid. Uh, stand-up comedy has been in my life since I was like nine years old. And I found, uh, actually, excuse me, I was like 13 years old. Um, I found a DVD that my dad bought called The Dirtiest Comics. And it was, um, oh shit, it was Chris Rock. Um, Chris Rock, Tim Allen, and a few others. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I found this DVD and Chris Rock blew me over. I mean, I, yeah. I've never heard somebody so funny in my entire, I never heard anything that funny in my life and yeah jumping into it there so recently jumping forward i get to this moment where i'm like Fuck, i need to look up san jose comedians i look up who do i see i see Derek demise nice and i'm like i see it, i go well this guy's doing it off the hook i've seen that bar before i've never been in there so i was like if he's doing it i'm gonna go and do it so i started looking up places so i think it was 2017 and it was uh i can remember to the day it was 2017 in september i told my mom i said hey mom can you watch my son i want to go out and do comedy i go all the way to frescati to find out it was lgbtq night <laughs> i did i had so he, he didn't tell me that i could go up i did because he didn't know me then jorge so he goes you know, hey, it's LGBTQ night. You might want to try somewhere else. So he says, off the hook. And I go into the bar and instantly get frightened. Didn't come back for another year. <laughs> Finally, a year wait, later. Wait, wait, you're, you're talking about Caravan. You're talking about Caravan, I think. Not yeah, off the hook. Not off the hook. Caravan, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Caravan, Caravan, Caravan. And then, yeah, so I go into the Caravan, get terrified, and ran. Ran home, didn't come back for a year. <laughs> nice. But I come back a year later, I went to uh, Frescati, and then finally got the balls to walk into uh, Caravan. And that was it. My life changed. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you said, so Chris Rock was one of your main influences. Yeah, Stanley. one of my first. What's your favorite album of his? Oh, no albums. I didn't want, I, when, I, when I was a kid, I didn't have no opportunities to have albums. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, we, we were too broke. Too bad. <laughs> nice. That's well, cool. I, I did watch a lot on Comedy Central. Like I watched Kids in the Hall. Like okay. I Comedy Central when it was brand new. Yeah. Like they had Kids in the Hall, all that stuff. I Saturday Night Live. All these things got me into comedy. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know, they'll know now, huh. is when I was a kid, I tried to be a com uh, or not a comedian, but I tried to be an actor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, How'd you do that? Uh, well, one day we were walking through, me and my dad were walking through the Great Mall, and this woman that worked for Pixar, weirdly enough, huh. uh, she goes, your son is, 
beautiful little boy, blonde hair. Turns out that she wanted to molest me. No, um. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's shady. As <laughs> Can you imagine no. if someone walked up to you and said that about your kid? You'd be like, get away. Yeah, yeah get the fuck away from my kid. <laughs> so, like, but no, she actually turned my dad into, like, hey, maybe you should try this out for your son. And okay. I did a modeling thing once on a stage inside the mall. And I joined John, I think it was John Robert Powers. Okay. And I almost was in the movie Homeward Bound 2. I almost was the main kid. Wow. Yeah, I was this close. I was actually, uh, I got to meet a few actors in my lifetime because of it. Like uh, me and Mario Lopez, uh, I was uh, doing a gig that I had an opportunity to get. It was, uh, I, it was, my, it was my gig, what they were saying. But since I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, no one got me prepared. I go into the room, they go, hey, Chris, so tell me what you like. And I'm terrified. <laughs> I didn't say oh, goddamn. Oh, no. So, like, yeah, I, I got super scared and I lost my role. It was crazy. Oh, no. Yeah, that was my moment right there. Was it something for Disney? They didn't say what. It was just something for Disney. But well, who knows? Yeah. It could have been my path to drugs. So <laughs> Probably. I don't know all the stuff that's coming out about Hollywood. I would keep my kids very far away from any. Oh yeah, hell yeah. But um, but that's no, but that's interesting. It's almost like you know the universe is pushing you towards entertainment. You know, kind of yeah. You like, had those opportunities, and now you're doing open mics. Like you're supposed to be in front of people entertaining. But I think I think if I had to pick between the two, acting. I don't know. I guess I'm biased in this acting or stand up. Stand up feels much more personal. When it comes yeah. to interacting with people. Oh yeah. Well, acting, you're you're stuck doing some what somebody else wrote. Exactly. So it's not authentic to you. So like when when you see a lot of these actors that direct and produce, mm -hmm. their role seems more significant because they actually put some work into their writing of what they're gonna say. Yeah. Like they they said, Okay, this is exactly what I wanna say. So when they do their words, it looks more pure because it was their imagination. True. But if you get somebody else's imagination and put it in somebody else's brain, now it's a totally different interpretation of what that person wrote. You know, so, speaking of that, you know who's always blown my mind about the amount of stuff they write? I don't think he directs, but he writes and he acts in is Seth Rogen. Oh, oh wait, absolutely. Seth. Uh, oh, Seth Green? Uh, no, Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah. And then what was the one you said? Seth Green? Yeah, yeah, him too. They've made so many movies. Oh, and, yeah. And they're the ones who write them and they star in them. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, Seth Rogen, if you go on YouTube, you can actually find a stand-up comedy set of his from, like, high school or junior high. It's insane. This guy's been wanting to do entertainment since he, he was Freaks and Geeks, if I'm correct, right? Uh, Remember that show? Yeah, he may have been on that. Um, the first time I saw him, uh, I think was he was a cop on Superbad. I want to say, was it yeah. Superbad? And I don't know if that was his movie that he wrote, um, but that's probably the first time I saw him. That was a fucking. That was a great, well-written story. Yeah, yeah, he did write that. He wrote that, and then he played a cop in that also. And then that's from like there, almost like a stand-up bit. That's almost like a stand-up set, like a story actually. Oh yeah, it was hilarious. I couldn't believe how funny that movie was. Just like pop, 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 you know, joke after joke. 
and it was cast perfect too. So, oh yes. But that that would be cool to be able to do what he does. But um, I don't know. I don't think everyone has that many stories in them. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe once you start doing something like that, it starts flowing. You know. Well, you never know. Like it's almost like that. Like some of these uh, these entertainers. Like you look at Kevin Hart. You know, he did stand up oh, yeah. from a young age, and then just molded into these other things he wanted to do. So it's like it's almost like a beautiful thing. Like you. you turn this little gold nugget that you found that was really small into this polished, beautiful looking nugget yeah. that you've just grown into many other things that you want it to be. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I don't know like that, that aspect has always intrigued me of these entertainers. Like how do you, how do you get yourself from one mindset to another and then just keep continuing with both objects and saying, I'm going to strive for both. Like, Kevin Hart's doing movies, books, and, and stand-up all at the same time. That's insane. That's almost too much work. <laughs> and then be a parent at the same time. Fuck that shit. No, that's too much work. I'll have yeah. none of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd much rather make people laugh on stage. I feel you. <laughs> Plus, I think there's something to be said for just focusing on something really um, deep right? Where you just go, no, I just want to do stand-up comedy. I'm not going to worry about writing because I had things kicking around my head like, oh, I want to be a writer. I want to do this story, that story. And then I'm like, no, you know what? I just want to write. I, I gave up on it all. And I just said, I just want to write quick jokes. You know, I want to write a joke that if I can't get a laugh in 15 to 30 seconds, then throw it out and try and come up with something new, you know? A hard, I have a hard time with doing that. Like the quickest joke that I had was that one that I did for you that one day at the bar off the hook <laughs> the, about the that got me on the podcast actually <laughs> oh yeah nice yeah, that was the quickest joke that I had like but I for some reason when I tell like I like telling that story and then having like people like I, I didn't notice it until I started watching my video watching these people stare at me and just seeing how engaged they are with my story and then for, for at some point laugh at the same exact time which yeah. is just crazy well no but your stories i think your stories are funny i think they have a lot of moments in them where you you do laugh i don't know i think uh like like i told you i i always feel very uh interested in whatever you're talking about on stage and it's making me laugh but then comedians we're a little different sometimes we say no no i laughed but then we're we're since we're all comedians we might be analyzing it you know Maybe thinking, yeah. oh, I think he's going here. Oh, he went there. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing. And so it's almost like our analytical mind is engaged, whereas the civilian who isn't trying to write jokes and be on stage, they're probably yeah. relaxed and then, you know, it's hitting at all the spots where it's supposed to be hitting with them. Well, it's just amazing that you can trigger one, like, if you, just to get one person is, is amazing enough, but just yeah. to get the room to go off at the same time is like, Wow, I made that. I made this whole room think exactly the same. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's shocking almost because it's a just a different aspect. I don't know. It, that's what it makes me. I, I, I crave it now. It's it's something that I I can definitely feed on in life. Like it's almost like a hunger. Yeah, <laughs> to get that laugh now. Well, the, you know what I called it? I called it a lifetime sentence. Um, oh, that's so good. When I because <laughs> I, I was. I was driving home with Munoz one night 
And he was just kind of like, you know, we were, we were talking about whatever kind of struggles with being a dad and with the women, the, our, uh, he's not married, but his girlfriend, my wife, like, Oh fuck. You know, this is like, it causes a lot of, causes a lot of tension when you're going out to do comedy and you got a kid back home or kids back home. And, and then he was saying, yeah, but you know, what are you going to do? You got to do it. And I go, I know this is a lifetime sentence, but see, this is where, this is where I, uh, this last Sunday when I had that epiphany, I was like, I, I totally forgot what that feels like. What you just described there where a joke lands well, I forgot what that was like. And then there's another thing that happens with me. And this is why I keep coming back. It's that moment when you, when you turn and you grab the mic, mm-hmm. you oh. see the people and you see the eyeballs, there's the a feeling, rush. yeah, there's some kind of rush that hits me that I go, oh, okay, this, mm-hmm. it's scary, but it feels, it feels good. This is where yes. I can be. And then, and then sometimes what happens is I get self-conscious and then I get that dry mouth, you know, that cotton mouth. Uh, yeah, yes. And then but you keep fighting, you keep fighting, you go, okay, I got to keep talking. I get, and then you start to kind of relax and maybe you get to laugh and it's a little reward and then you relax and you start loosening up and you start yeah. you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing on stage. Um, but that initial shot of whatever that feeling is when I turn, when I grab, you get intro, you grab the mic and then you turn around and you go, whoa, you know what? I, it might be to people who don't do comedy, it might be a similar sensation to getting on a really tall building and looking over the edge, maybe. Yeah, actually. Yeah, because the down the downplay from it is almost like you get the tingly feeling in your hands, like the blood left your hands. Yeah. Oh God. That's when I know I did I did pretty good. Like if I if my hands I can't feel my hands by the time I'm done, I know that I put my best effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. True. What kind of, you got any heckler stories yet? You ever been heckled? So the one, the one time that I did, it was stupid as hell, and I, I didn't even say anything offensive. Um, uh, the one time I did say something offensive, nobody said anything to me. But the, uh, I it was Christmas time. I just asked the crowd, "Are you guys ready for Christmas?" Because Santa was in the room. And one lady goes, "I'm Jewish," and turned the entire crowd against me. <laughs> that was all she had to say. Well, all I said to her was, "I was like, you're pretty upset that there's Christmas in the park, then, because there's no drill in sight." Uh. <laughs> so she threw me off, and her friend performed for the first time that night, and I just gave him a bunch of props because I went right after him. Uh. <laughs> it was a, the one heckler I got. It wasn't so bad, but yeah. you know, hey, I got I had a good time for that moment. It was nice. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, luckily you, enough. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, luckily enough, I haven't had too many. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I get it at uh, Woodham's, it seems like there's that guy. Uh, there's a dude at the caravan who's regularly talking shit to me. So I never oh, know right. if I'm going to have to abandon my act and just go back and forth with him or just power through the act, you know? Woodhams is a big, it's a flip of a coin whether I'll be able to do my jokes or if I have to battle with the audience. Yeah. Well, I, that was, weirdly enough, Woodhams was, I was my next place to go. Like, I okay. really wanted to go there. And it was like the week of the craziness started happening. 
Mm. I was like, should I really go? Like, I don't know. Yeah. My son's not going to school. I don't know if I should go and do this. So I, I just, I ended up staying home that night. But that was my next plan because Frescati was gone. So I needed to add a new one to my, my weekly. Dude, that'll be great if when everything gets back to normal. That would be great oh. if you added Woodhams to your um, weekly routine. Well, like Pete Munez, when you had him on your podcast, I had, ta- I had gotten a chance to talk- to speak to him, and I-, I wanted to thank him for a lot of the things that he said because it honestly helped me with my comedy because the things of like the no bombing. There's no mm-hmm. bombing at an open mic. I'm like, nope. that took the pressure right away. I was like, okay. He's right. What am I really worried? The only person that's going to be really upset right now is myself. And yep. it pushed me to do better. And I did, I, I did take a lot of the pressure off. And I had a chance to thank him. And I was like, man, I got to go and try his mic next. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. That, that thing right there, what he said, changed my outlook too. That was yeah, such that an was- important thing to say because ultimately, when, when you're an starting comic when you're an open mic comic like we are um i don't know why we would go out there thinking like oh it's our job to be the funniest person in the room or whatever right that's like giving a person a guitar and saying oh okay in three months or a year now you have to be touring the world with aerosmith or something right like no no it doesn't work that way you get a guitar and you fumble with that fucker for five years, 10 years, however long, however long it takes you to grasp the concepts of that instrument. And then maybe you get a shot at going big. And, and the same thing is you can draw a parallel with comedy and say, in your first five to 10 years, you're just trying to learn how to write a joke and deliver that joke and, or tell a story and make that story funny and engaging. Those are the only things you're worried about. You're not worried about you know, being the one that everyone remembers, you're not worried about, um, you know, selling tickets. Like, who cares? You're not getting paid. Just go up there and try and learn a craft. That's it. Or learn a skill, not a craft, a skill. Just go up there um, and, and just learn something. And so you don't really have to think in terms of bombing or even like killing. I cringe whenever someone was at an open mic and say, oh, I killed that. This Like, oh, come on. It's an open mic. Mm-hmm. You've got some laughs. That's good. Give yourself a pat on the back and then let's move on and let's go to another open mic. Yeah, no, you're right. That's dead serious. But that was another thing that he said too, is that, you know, you, you, there's no killing really at an open mic. You can kill. Good, good for you. You didn't get paid for it though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so yeah. true. It, it's... I, as I've learned is well, like a lot of people, they definitely put too much pressure on themselves yep. in the very yep. beginning, not just be for the fact of getting laughs, just the fact of getting to the mic. It, mm. They make it seem like you're going to get burned when you touch it for the first time. Like, no, mm. it's just a moment in time where you're going to be talking at a microphone to speak to a, a room full of strangers that you're, may never see again yeah. not with my luck i've seen two people that have seen me on stage and they scared the shit out of me because i had no idea who the fuck they were <laughs> hey what i'm gonna tell you one story real quick yeah. i was at the park with my son and this was i was about i think i had done it five times and okay. i did it i had a really great time at the go go gone show 
And I had I got a great score. I was eight seven eight. I was fucking proud of that shit for a week. And it was the second time I went up there. And these two guys at the goddamn park were like pointing at me and they had like a little work party going on and they were drinking and everything. Okay. So I'm like, these guys are going to kick my ass. Like, that's exactly what I'm thinking. They're pointing at me. They're giving me weird looks. So where does my son run? Directly to these guys. Oh, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, <laughs> he runs directly to these guys. And now I'm like, oh, fuck. So I get to the, these guys and they go, hey, hey, you do comedy, right? Oh, like, my God. What? <laughs> I was like, what? And he goes, I, I think I seen you at that gong show in downtown San Jose. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, fuck. I was going to get my ass beat. <laughs> nice. Like, that made me feel good, but then I was so busy worried about getting my ass beat that I was like, yeah. not worried about the props that I just got. I was like, oh, my God. So that, oh. that was interesting. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. But so you got a score at Go Go Gone? So that means you completed the, the what is it, three minutes? Yeah, I've completed it three. I've done it five times. I've completed it three times. That's insane. If that's I, no, really no, good. Me, two times, two times, two times. Wow. No, that's a great score for your second time up there. Yeah, that was, I was surprised. People were telling me that. Uh, but the, the jokes were still fresh, and but they were written. I or excuse me, I wrote them really well because I had put in the time into them. Yeah. So it's like once I got that the good story down, and I had everything written down correctly, that I was able to say it with confidence. And then before, like I had no idea what the fuck. The first time I went up there, I go, "What you guys know about autism?" Crickets. <laughs> yeah, they were like yeah. don't make fun of autistic people i was like i wasn't <laughs> yeah so like you know i learned at that moment that but it was crazy i met four people at frascati and they pushed me to do it and that push actually did more than they ever thought it could do because i continued on they didn't oh interesting so, yeah you know what's funny I, well i don't know if it's funny but it's indicative of this uh this, I guess what you call it skill. I've only been doing it a year and uh, maybe like a year and 10 months. And I've already seen so many people quote unquote quit. Meaning I, I saw them for a while and now I just don't see them anymore. Oh, and yeah. they were into it. They were diehard. They were going to all the mics and this, that and the other. And then it's just like, poof, where'd they go? I don't know. And some of them I've checked in with, but others it's just, you know, I assume maybe they quit or whatnot. And that's only a year and a half. So yeah, imagine what it'll be like 10 years from now. Probably we won't even, you know, recognize all the people we, you know, in our class or when, when they started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's, there's a couple of guys that were really, there was one dude that I knew, hilarious dude. Like he knew every time we talked, this dude knew where the funny was in any conversation. So like I seen this guy going a long ways, but then he just disappeared. I was like, what the fuck, dude? You were funnier than I was. Yeah, it's so interesting. I didn't right? Fully understand. I, I think it was. I think maybe. I hope that he just started going to other places because the that guy could is really be. funny. That could. You know? Well, off mic. We'll. I'll, if you give me his name, maybe I have seen him around. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um. So you said writing. How often do you write? 
Oh man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't been writing shit. Everything's just memory bank right now. Like the, the one I can honestly remember right now, I'll give it to you since I won't be saying it in a while. Uh, there's only one. Uh, there's only one type of person that's uh, immune to the coronavirus. Yeah. It's uh, terrifyingly ugly people because people already stay ten feet away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. I like that. See, I'm bored, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been bored. You know, like I, I joke around with my mom all day. Like we make fun of Donald Trump and all the shit that's going on right now. Oh, do you watch news? Oh, I do. I, okay. I, I I'm gonna take. I'm, I'm gonna. I was gonna promote this on your show right now. Hmm. Uh, I have something in the works. I don't have a name for it yet, but yeah. I'm going to be entering the podcast zone. I was gonna nice. show you the. I was going to show you my little setup that I got here. I got a shed that's somewhat soundproof. Um, nice. Uh, I'm going to be putting it together. It's not going to be nothing dramatic. It's going to be more of like a hangout and, you know, just talk about bullshit. And no, story, that's great. Old, old stories about San Jose. Yeah, I'm encouraging everyone to do podcasts now because, you know, before when I would do face-to-face -face podcasts, there was a little bit of – it, it took a little bit of effort, right? You had to map up everyone's schedule, make sure they could come over to your place. And then I have gear and I have cameras that I set up. So it was kind of a production, but with this Zoom stuff, you literally just say, hey dude, you want a podcast? And it's like, yeah, okay, here's the Zoom number. And then boom, you're podcasting. And then you could just use, um, what is that, anchor.fm to post it up. And uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm encouraging everyone to start talking. It can't hurt. Yeah. The worst that yeah. happens is what happens with me where no one's listening. <laughs> that's the worst that happens. Yeah, that's probably going to be my category. If anybody's going to be listening, it's probably going to be my family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are going to be like, fuck, Chris is on the podcast. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. And it's a good muscle yeah. to have, right? Because let's say we do stick with comedy. There's no way you're going to escape podcasting if you're also doing stand-up comedy either someone's going to want you on their podcast or you're going to start podcasting or let's say you start touring you get some national touring you're going to be on radio shows so you may as well learn how to talk with different people about different subjects as soon as possible i look at this oh, yeah. well for me podcasting is something else like i just love podcasting i love having conversations with people and this is one of those things that I just genuinely look forward to every week is talking with a different person about whatever. Um, so I could do this and not do stand-up. But if you do do stand-up, I think it's like peanut butter and jelly. You know, the podcasting and stand-up are just like, they complement each other really well. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I was, because like I was, my plan was, was like, do it once a week, if anything, so I can yeah. keep up to date with things. And then I could write things down that happen, whatever, like if I'm watching the news, just to get some ideas of what happened mm. that are locally or whatever. Then again, I ha also could save all this stuff for material from things that I'm going to be, when I go back to do a stand-up, like, hey, oh, I remember back whatever, early tw 2020, uh, this is what happened and this bullshit, and make fun of that, you know? You, but the podcast will always just feed into the comedy is what my hopes are. Yes. Um, so, you know who, obviously you know who Bill Burr is, right? Oh, yeah. Um, 
So I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast, but his podcast, if you stop to think about what he's doing, because he doesn't, well, he sometimes invites people on the podcast, but oftentimes it's just him riffing on what he reads in the news or experiences that happen to him in his week. Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Right. And his comedy comes from his podcast. So I've only seen him live once, but I can tell you, I used to listen to his podcast all the time, right? Like I probably listened to, he had two a week. I probably listened to both of them. There was a point in my life where I was listening to both of them the week they dropped, right? So if he had his Monday morning podcast, I would listen to that. And then I think he had one on Thursday. I would listen to that on Thursday or Friday. Um, so I knew where his head was at for probably like six months or something. Yeah. So religiously. And then I went to watch him over at San Jose Improv. And it was amazing. He talked, he, he, a number of his bits were things I heard him riffing on in his podcast. And that's when it clicked. I said, oh, he uses his podcast as a way to solidify concepts he has that he thinks might be funny. That's actually really good. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm thinking. That's, yeah. exactly, that's a good idea. Yeah. That guy's a fucking genius. Oh, he's, he's so smart. You know, he, he comes off, he plays that, the role of the kind of like, oh, shucks, I'm a dumb guy. But there is nothing dumb about Bill Burr. He's very, maybe not, maybe not like, I don't know, it could be, you can't say IQ, but like wisdom, you know, wisdom where people just yeah. know how to behave or what to say in the right moment at the right time. He, he's got a lot of that. It's like, uh, well, yeah, you see that with his uh, comedy. Like he, yeah. He'll go into something that he knows yeah. that's uh, a little tough. Like when he starts talking about Hitler, he'll even oh, yeah, yeah. empathize with the crowd and go, ah, I know this is bad, but yeah. just listen to him. <laughs> so he, he's really, uh, what would you, what would you could say, say that? How would you say that? Can't even fucking think right now. Uh, um, self-conscious. Self-aware, I think. Self-aware. There we go. That's the word. So he's very self-aware. Which is really good when it comes to comedy, because I think being so. un, not being self-aware can get you into a real bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know your blind spots. Yes. Well, you almost like you could say something that doesn't sound offensive to you, uh -huh. and it sounds hilarious, and then some random person that has totally different feelings about that situation. That if you weren't self-aware about a person like that, you could destroy that person, and then that person destroy your career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's almost it, it's sad that we have to because all we're trying to do is make light out of a bad situation. But that's I what think my hunch is that the sensitivity after we come back from shelter in place, I think the sensitivity that we had when I say we, I just mean society in general, where everyone's getting hurt feelings. Yeah. I think that's going to settle down a little bit and people are going to be like, Oh, you know what? There's other things that are going on in the world that maybe I should worry about. I don't, let's just, let's not necessarily get outraged by what comedians are doing on stage. Yeah. I'm hoping maybe I'm just being wishful thinking, but well, I, it probably will. Cause it would be something else to think about now. Yeah. 
something, as they say, the invisible enemy will be, you'll be thinking about. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to ask you, though. I got to ask you. I was curious. Did you watch the Tiger King? <laughs> no. I'm the one guy on planet Earth who hasn't watched the Tiger You know what? I gave up my Netflix subscription. I gave it up about a month before we went into shelter in place. And um, I just... I'm trying not to watch TV. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things like what I'm doing. I, I realized one thing about me is I've always had it in my life, but it's never really um, amounted to anything, but I really need creative outlets. And when comedy, when I couldn't write my stuff down and go out at night to perform comedy, I, I filled that gap with uh, guitar. I, I've always been into guitar. Mm -hmm. And so I've been playing guitar a lot um, and then just playing, hanging out with my kids as much as possible. Cause I realized like, I'm going to be waking up maybe in a month or two and it's like, life will be right back to where it was. Yeah. So I'm looking at it like I, I need, so to, to answer your question, no, I, I really haven't been watching um, that many series on, on television. I, I watched, Louis special, but you buy that from his his website, Louis CK. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, it's it's eight bucks. Yeah, it's eight bucks if you want to go to his website. Uh, you can oh, I watch that. Yeah, it's dark, man. It's dark. I recommend any comedian to watch it because the way he writes and tells jokes is really good. Mm -hmm. But oh boy, oh boy, he goes uh, brutal on those people. Oof, that, that him, right? Chris, it's like talk about offensive. It's just. <laughs> oh dude oh shit it's probably so jesselnick um anthony jesselnick you know obviously he he gets really dark um and his all of his specials have stuff where you just cringe but it's kind of like you're in a pretend world and and he's making these really over the top jokes but yeah with louis it's kind it's all stuff that's really he's been through and so you're hearing about his and it's just like oh god um the way he addresses some things i just like oh geez but it's funny i laughed oh, i bet so man that guy's fucking brilliant that's just the way he talks about it I, I was curious to see what his next special is going to be like because of all the crazy shit that's been happening to him because it he addresses that he gets everything went from zero to 60 with him and then yes. you find out you find out what really happened well, from what people are saying really happened, I shouldn't say, like I know, yeah. but uh, it just seems like it, it wasn't as bad as they made it seem, but well, who really knows? We weren't in the room. <laughs> in the room. We weren't, and that's what I always say on these things, like when people ask my opinion to get a side or whatever, and I just go, well, I wasn't in the room. Yeah. Um, I know criminal justice was never involved at any point, unlike the yeah. other creeps who've been called out on things criminal justice did get involved and um i know I, yeah i don't know so i wasn't in the room who knows what happened but he he does address from his side of it. i mean we've, we've heard the woman's point of view and then he gives his point of view um, yeah or the women's point of view so yeah it's definitely um it's kind of it's good it's a comedy class right when you watch it you kind of go oh okay i guess anytime i watch comedy now i'm kind of watching it with that scientific eye yeah, analyzing it. Yeah. Um, I do the same thing. With, you know, the, I want to laugh. 
Um, yeah. but, to, but let's get circle back. I got off track there. So have you watched all of Tiger King? And then is it is it a good one? Is it worth watching? Do you is it like a it, it is a definitely if you need a good laugh and, and, and just to say to yourself, wow, people lived a life like this, like mm. and this is real. Like I it's I think that's the best part of it is the fact that you realize that people lived a crazier life than you did. Mm. And it, it almost seems like it was scripted, but it was a hundred percent real. Oh. You know, like that's, that's the hardest part about it is that you're, you're in the, when we first, me and my mother, we watched it and the first few minutes were like, this is not real. This is not possible. And then you realize slowly as it starts getting more serious, you're like, Oh wow, this is real. These people live this and I feel horrible that they had to deal with this. But the aspect of the hilarious part of it is, is that they're all entertainers. So you're watching entertainers entertain you as they explain their life, you know? So like, that's the, the crazy part is that it has that entertaining aspect of a documentary. It'll be the, the most different documentary anybody's ever seen. And yeah, I, I'm going to check it out. My sister told it's me I mean, it. it's, it's all over the, social media feeds with people doing their memes about it. But then um, my sister also told me, she said, hey, that, cause I like documentaries. In fact, documentaries are probably my favorite film style. Um, because it's, I, you know, to your point, it's like when you hear that reality is stranger than fiction, it's always mm -hmm. so interesting. And then on top of that, I think I'm just drawn towards human interest type storytelling, you know, like, I, I don't mind watching an Avenger movie or a Marvel movie here and there, or, you know, something like, um, obviously I like, you know, all types of sci-fi and cyberpunk movies, but um, where was I going with this? But the, the movies that engage me the most are always documentaries slash human interest type stories. What well, gives you an insight on something that yes. you never thought you would though? <laughs> Like and I, perspective it shifts your yeah. perspective whereas i don't Absolutely. think watching a marvel movie shifts my perspective at all it's just like oh that was a lot of cool explosions but did i learn anything about life mm, probably not <laughs> no, the one thing i could say about uh any superhero movie is that well the most recent ones that you could say is that they try to give you some realization to like a reality aspect to these superhero movies so it's not That's like, true. like just Superman going dun, 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 and then right. saves the day. Like there's a, a real life. Like that's the one thing I appreciated from like Marvel with the Civil War movie. Mm. It's like superheroes can just break buildings and then kill people and then that's okay. Like that that's something I was like always said as a kid. Like when you watch Transformers and they knock a building down and there was like 40 people and they just died. They're like, okay, nobody gave a shit about those people that just died in that building. In the yeah. Civil War, they're like, well, since you guys were just running around with no consequences, now you got some rules. Like, yeah. So like, that was kind of interesting. And then they kind of uh, they give the audience a chance to see how their, uh, I don't want to say empathy, but or, or dignity. It's like you're two different sides of the boat. Like, do you think these superheroes should have rules? Or, you know, like, yeah. do you think they should just be breaking buildings and blowing shit up and getting away with it? <laughs> That's the one thing I can appreciate about these new ones is that when these kids see it, they go, oh, it's not okay to just bust the building open. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of which, this, this series is definitely not for kids. Yes. Um, I watched and I thought was really interesting called The Boys. It's a Amazon Prime. I don't know if you have Prime. Yes, I do. I've watched that too. You, okay. <laughs> what did you think about that one? Fucking, I love the first one. Oh, dude. Seconds. So dark. Dude, immediate, bro. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. It's crazy, it's, right? Oh, my God. My, my, my mom goes, what's this, The Boys? I was like, oh, it looks like a superhero show. Let's watch it. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch this by myself, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Because she was like, no, I'm not watching this. <laughs> oh, dude. That first I opening, love it, though. Yeah, the opening scene of it, you're like, oh, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> yeah, right away. <laughs> but here's what I have to say to your point. To your point about having more of a, you're learning something is, I do believe if you had a coalition of people with almost omnipotent powers, 100% if they have the typical human psyche, they will abuse those powers. Absolutely. 100%. We see it over and over. You know, we're not built for managing unchecked power. We just aren't. Human, the human psyche is not built for that. There needs to be a checking mechanism in society that says, I know you can do that, but don't do that. <laughs> You know? Exactly, yeah. Well, it's like, if you think about it, the one, like, this is sad to say, I, I apologize for all the listeners, <laughs> yeah. uh, but when somebody has, super, well, the only people that have superpowers in the real world are government leaders, which yeah. is sadly Donald Trump. The superpowers are the nukes, the, the buttons, the football, all this shit. Yeah. And we just let them, we, we see what happens with history. Look at Hitler. He killed all those people. Because he was the, the as a evil superhero, yep. I mean, he, the German fucking people, and like right now we got this guy. Uh, we, no matter what opinion based on him is that he does have power that we don't have and could possibly use it against someone that he doesn't like in his own way. And yeah. like they say, we have all these rules, but still we get nervous when he says, oh, "I'm gonna go grab that football." <laughs> We're like, "Oh no, you don't! No, no, no!" <laughs> yeah that, that just proves to us if there was superpowers in the world someone would be robbing banks 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah so hey chris uh we're coming up on an hour here gonna wrap things up uh is there any you talk about your podcast is there anything else you want to get into before we wrap things up any promotions i know we're not doing stand-up comedy anymore <laughs> Uh, no, that's about it for me no, right now. Uh, okay. I have I have no uh, no date yet. Uh, I'll let everybody know. I'll, I'll give you a heads up so when you're doing your show, when you just throw throw my name out there. Hey, Chris's podcast is in a week. <laughs> nice. I'll do that. One hundred percent. And if you ever need a guest to dial in, uh, well, oh, after shelter in place, we could do it face to face. But until then, you know, I I don't mind jumping on a Zoom and hey, can, with you. You can come in my little smoke shack, as I'm going to call it. <laughs> nice. I like that. All right. All right, dude. Well, it's been a pleasure catching up with you, and I can't wait to see you again at our open mics here. Um, It'll be stay great. Safe. Enjoy the time you have with your little one, because uh, we're all going to get busy here in another month or two, and it's going to be back to back to the grind again. Yep.
That's going to be fun. (laughs) Right on, my friend. All righty, man.